Today's episode is a little longer compared to what came before, so I apologize. In today's episode, I introduce something that doesn't really factor too much into this story, but is a major part of Irish and other areas of Celtic mythology. The Gish. Apologies on my pronunciation. I was introduced to the concept through an anime that pronounced it Gios. Uh, though research, you can also pronounce it Geese, apparently. But it's an, from an Irish pronunciation bank, they can still use the word Gish. So I'm sticking with that. Anyway, a Gish is many things all at once. A curse, a compulsion, a gift, a spell, a privilege or right, and a command. Oftentimes, a powerful figure like the Morrigan places a character under a gish, which compels them to do something under pain of dishonor or even death. For example, a character placed under a gish might be compelled to give strangers something when they're asked, or compelled to never refuse food when offered, which sounds pretty benign. Simple enough. But then combine that with a second gish, such as if you eat dog meat, you will meet your doom thereafter, and you will have a complicated situation on your hands. That's a real story from Irish mythology, by the way. It's kind of linked to Lou, but it's not the purview of this season of Godmacy. To defy a gish is to court disorder, yet to fulfill it is similarly disastrous for many characters. These are often tied to moments and acts of fate and destiny and lead to tragic conclusions, which is a running theme in Christian and pre-Christian Irish mythology. So, that's the basic overview of gishes. Gish? I, the plural gets weird. Um, there might be more on that later, but I'll leave that to the Dagda to explain. A second term to know for this episode is the Kaylee. This can range from a basic social call or a formal party, often with dancing. In this case, it is a formal gathering. So now that we know those two terms, let's launch into it. Previously on Goddessy. Lou, son of Kian, has discovered his father's body murdered at the hands of the sons of his rival, Turian. Fostered away for safety his entire life, Lu never met his father and now never can. Knowing that his destinies to unite the Tuatha Dé Danann and lead them to freedom against their overlords, the fearsome Fomorians, Lu must first turn his attention to the sons of Turian, as compelled by the dreadful Phantom Queen, the Morrigan herself. Welcome to Goddessy, Episode 8, The Trap. It was to be the Kaylee of the century, or so he understood. Never had he been allowed at one, living under the Fyrvold, but he had heard stories about what people got up to. The singing, the sound of the Boren directing people's feet as if they were possessed. The carousing, the sound of people laughing and telling such tales. Lou had never known such jubility, even among the Andanashi at Tirnanog. There was such a genuine escape here, losing oneself in delight. So many emotions, gaiety, gladness, amusement, even sorrow and anger, found their way here. None seemed to suspect the calculating rage Lou brought with him. On the inside of the long hall, drinking and merriment took place, headed by the queen of the Tuatha Dé Danann, Bridget herself. Her son Ruidin was with her, but the king's seat was empty, seeming to understand that he was not wanted here. Yet Bridget was a different kind of ruler, and she acted proudly. Outside the hall, in the cold spring air, there were games of many stripes, and some of which Lou longed to partake in. The most obvious were the rugged ones in nature, stone throwing for men, women, and children alike, as well as log rolling in the open pond, the ducks watching gleefully as bearded men and braided idiots made fools of themselves in the name of honor and pride. This was a welcome change for many. Lou observed their dichotomy from the shadows, hooded and avoiding the gaze of most, noting that there was a tribal division among the Tuatha Dé Danann, often marked through colors, through tattoos, through even appearance. 
tribes, clans, whatever they were to be called, they all shared a single ancestor, the great goddess Danu, and each ruled the Four Corners, save the craggy edges of the far north, where the Fomorians reigned and ruled uncontested against the Tuatha de Among these chiefs, there were many Lu had heard of but never seen. There was Angus, son of the Dagda, ruler of Brunaboyne, that holy hill on the banks of the River Boyne. Never before had Lu seen a soul so handsome in appearance and character all but glowing with summer's warmth. There too was Turian and his brood, and Nemed, not at all a Tawatha de Danan, but married to the clan of his war chiefess wife, a dark goddess Lu recognized without having met and whose individual name he did not yet know. When her emerald eyes met him, he felt the commandment of fate upon him to act now, yet he resisted. What kind of man was Grim Nemed to be married to one of the faces of the Morrigan? Nemed kept his distance, observing the revelry with a cold, distant glance. His plan required one final party to arrive, and arrived they did. So came Gavita with the clan of Dian Set, the great healer of the Tuathidi Danan. Greeting Angus as a brother, for brothers they were, Dian Set was old, wrinkled and gray, yet with a charm upon him and a storm in his heart. With him were a host of children, all ranging in age, a young girl about Lou's age leading them, his uncle Gavita in the back. His uncle locked eyes with him, and said something to the three brothers before him, who all looked to Lou. He nodded to them, noting the resemblance to his father they all shared, the black hair, the blue eyes, the thin temperament that gave them a kind of coy trickster look, one almost similar to Angus and Bridget. Lou approached, Gavita stepping to Dian Set's side. Father, this is him. This is Lou. Dian Set was a wide man, not as wide as his father the Dagda, and certainly better dressed. His hands were coarse things, and he smelled of balms made from a myriad of herbs, almost repugnant to Lou. His gray hair had strands of black, and his wild eyes, a different shade of blue from his own, carried with them a kind of intensity Lou was not accustomed to. He understood why. In captivity, everyone was scared that at any moment, it might be their last. The Fomorians were a fickle master. You were Lou. Lou bowed as Gavita had taught him. Dian Set was very much sold on filial piety. Well met, Grandfather. Long have I desired to meet you and pay homage. Long have I wished to meet my grandson, and quite a handsome grandson you are. Sheltered with so many, you must have many skills at your disposal. We can use that boy. What brings you back to us? Gavita has been mum on the topic, despite my demands. Lou looked over his shoulder at Nemed, who observed him, sending a shiver down his spine. Behind him, his wife, the mother goddess of the Triple Morrigan, glowered at him, her eyes black pools surrounding the emerald interior. Fate commands it. I come from Tirnanog to fulfill my destiny and free our people, but the path is long and treacherous, and already have we lost much. It has been but a week for me since the field at Conic where Nawada lost his hand, yet for most of you, it has been seven long years. And Dian said, held up his hand. Say no more, lad. The less I know of destiny, the more correct its path. No need to overshare, I wish not your burden. Speak to your uncles and let this plot proceed. Arms still up, he stepped forward, followed by Lou's aunt. The maiden, for she seemed every bit as much a youth as he was, offered Lou a smile, smelling of flowers and petrichor. In their wake, Gavita remained with his three brothers. The eldest, 
his black beard long and spear, the finest Lou had ever seen in Ireland, held out his forearm in greeting. Lou took it, and the two gripped hard, as if in contest. His uncle smiled. Kavita has told us enough, and well met, nephew. We are your uncles. I am Ku, this is Kethan, and then Mick, half of our father's favorite set of twins. Kavita is our baby brother, and your father my elder. Your aunt there was Ermid, and none is a better herbalist than she, not even father, though he would never admit it. Mick chuckled at that. He would never admit that any of us might be better at healing than he, but we better not push it. Dianset's anger makes Turian's thunder look like a babbling brook by comparison. Lou tensed at the mention of the name, and his four uncles noticed. They all wore age differently, but Mick looked almost no older than Lou himself, despite being the eldest of his uncles. Age was a fickle thing among his people. So was death. Kethan spoke then. So it's true. What Kavita told us. Lou nodded. He's dead, and they are responsible. A darkness went between the three brothers, and Lou felt his anger quickening. Mick spoke, diffusing it. And you have a plan to confront them here, tonight? That may mark you as, to many as a troublemaker, hardly a way to introduce yourself to the children of Danu. Lou nodded. Oaths are important. By their own admission, the sons of Turian have told me what I am owed. I plan on taking it. Ku spoke, almost a bark. And you have proof? You are focused and cunning, nephew. I would not wish to be on your bad side. He looked at Turian, laughing among the folk of Angus. But none are more opposed to the Fomorians of the clan of Turian. He stands at the middle of our coalition in lieu of the Dagd of Ogma Nuada. Do you truly wish to fracture our people? Lou shot his uncle a glare. And deny my father the honor he is owed? I never got to meet my father. I am denied my own honor. They owe me. That is justice. I am not asking for their blood. That was a lie. Lou's plan went much deeper than mere justice. His oath would bring him exactly what he wanted. Everything had to go as planned. I should be introduced to the queen when grandfather stands before her. That is when it begins. He turned and followed the inset, followed by his uncles. Though they whispered to one another in hushed tones, Gavita silenced them all in turn. He heard them mention her, Danad, the daughter of Turian. Was she here? Lou did not see her. She was part of the gamble, but Lou was uncertain of how to handle her presence, or even if he should mention her. It didn't matter. Deeper into the Kaylee they went, catching up to Aramid and Dianset, who greeted those who presented themselves, many asking for healing. Dianset asked that they come at the right time, even as they showed wounds and illness now. So many noble souls in rags, covered in dirt, even here at the social gathering of the year, this could not stand. This was why Lou had to act. A speaker, the bard from the king's palace when Lou was last at Tara, announced them. The clan of Dian Set presenting themselves to the queen. He did not drop his hood, nor hand his weapon over. Young and gangly that he was, Lou had an excuse. Through the door they went as the sons of Turian passed him. None looked to him, but he watched their every move until they were past him. Brian, Ikar, and Ikarba, all laughing, all proud, all murderers. At the tall head table, Dianset bowed his head. Sister Bridget, you are as radiant as ever. And we are in your debt, are we not, Ruidin? Thank Dianset for your knee, son. The boy was a few years younger than Lou, perhaps halfway between the age Lou should be and what he was now, and rolled his eyes, standing beside his mother. 
Thank you for healing my skin knee, Dan said. His tone was that of a bored child, and Lou wanted to slap him. Yet, he would have answered that way himself, if it had been a fearbulk healer. Was this boy more Fomorian than Tuathadi Danan? Did he take after his father? Lou made note of the boy, but decided to deal with him later. Bridget smiled upon her subject, seeming to ignore her son's rudeness. Dean Set maintained his smile. She continued, I see you have a new figure among your ranks. Who do you present to the court, healer? Lou was careful not to pass his grandfather, and threw back his hood, bowing to her grace. Well met, Queen Bridget. I understand that you yourself are a healer whose touch can solve any headache. Is this true? She smiled, seemingly surprised to see him. She hid that she recognized him and gave him a cursory nod. Indeed, it is one of my gifts as a daughter of the Dagda, our chief druid. Then perhaps you can solve a headache I have, for I have a conundrum I wish to present to the court. But before that, I would like to present you a gift. He offered Aramid his spear, the spear of Brian, and then drew his sword. The guards behind the table moved their own spears forward, but Bridget held up her hand. The Kaylee seemed to quiet down, realizing that something was going on. This is Fragarak, the sword of Manenin MacLear, king of Tirnanog, and my foster father. Any who find themselves on the pointed end must answer the questions of the wielder of the sword with perfect honesty. I would ask that you, as reigning queen, act as judge to the problem I wish to present, for all parties must be truthful. He looked to the guards. May I approach? Bridget smiled. Indeed, good sir. But you are a stranger to the court. Tell us your name. Lou smiled. I wish the clan of Turian to be present, Queen Bridget. Would you request them to come hither? Bridget looked to her bard, who left the door and yelled outward, calling for Turian and his kin. The murmuring among the crowd was loud now in the interim, and all eyes fell on Lou. He felt a heat upon him, and not just from them. Queen Bridget was somewhere between displeased and interested, not expecting this to be placed upon her. She held Fragrak at her side, clearly unmoved by its weight. She was a martial queen indeed, he realized. Her hair seemed to have a breeze that did not blow from anywhere in particular. No, he realized. It began to move as if on fire. Turian, gray and grim, entered the hall flanked by his three sons and a girl barely older than Lou, none of whom were pleased, though the girl seemed less pleased to be there than any of them. Turian glared upward, but Lou did not look to meet his gaze. You requested us, Queen Bridget. Who is this upstart to command that we come? Bridget spoke. He wanted you to be present for something. Now, stranger, who are you? Lou turned then to Turian, his grin like a hound. I am Lou MacKeon. The Kaylee, forgetting the revelry, now spoke in hushed tones, with more shuffling in, casting long shadows from the center fire. Lou scarcely heard the whispers. As they all moved into the hall, Lou felt her eyes upon him. The mother face of the Morrigan was here, watching him prowling like a panther, like a crow circling a fresh kill. Lou swallowed, nervous. I knew I recognized you that day at Tara. Should have knocked your mouth clean of teeth then and there, boy. Turian grinned, almost saying something, but stopping himself. The three boys behind him all met Lou's gaze, white as a sheet. They knew that he knew what they'd done. Lou looked back to Aramid. Aunt, may I have the spear? She smiled at him. You're every bit the cunning cad your father was, nephew. Well met. He smiled back, then turned to Bridget. 
I would like to request the right to an Eric, Queen Bridget, owed by the sons of Turian. Turian roared like thunder, and somewhere beyond in the south, there was a rumbling in the hills. By what right do you claim this? You come in here demanding compensation when we've never seen you once at court. By what right do you demand justice from my sons? Bridget held up her hand, silencing Turian, as well as the Kaylee. He asks a fair question, Lou. By what right? Lou held the spear forward, presenting it to the court. The sons of Turian have slain my father, Kian McKente, in the hills of Ulster, and attempted to hide the body using magic. Turian looked back at his sons, a glower of disapproval not for their actions, but instead for their failure to truly hide them. Ikar and Ikarba's gaze met Lou's own, terrified. If he had found that out, what else could he find out? Brian was not yet ready to fold, though. A manifest lie from a desperate outsider. We've done no such thing. Turian nodded beside his son in agreement. Then, Brian McTurian, you should not have given me one of the spears you killed him with. Lou stepped forward, and intercepted by one of Bridget's guards, handed them the spear. They brought it to the queen, who analyzed it. You are our sovereign, Bridget, by right of the sovereign queens of Ireland. Thus, discern whose blood stains that spear, crafted by my very uncle, Gavida. And with Fragarak, you can confirm the truth from his own mouth. Brian snarled, attempting to respond, but his father held up his hand. Brian restrained himself, his mind still alight, while Turian stared. My queen, as father of these three, I request that you reveal the truth of the matter, as honor demands. Lou gave him a grin, then looked to Bridget. Taking the spear from her guard, at her side her son analyzed it with childlike fascination, looking beyond to Lou with a happy grin. Lou returned it and then returned his gaze to the queen, who held a hand over the tip of the blade. Though the blood was largely worn and turned a dark brown, it was still present, if just faintly. Her emerald eyes began to burn, and heat emanated from her hand. By the blood rites of Tara, I command the blood on this blade to speak the name of its owner, that justice might be done. The torque about her neck began to glow, and Lou saw upon it writing the same script that bound Ogma's wrist, that his uncle placed upon each of his enchanted weapons. Yet there was an air of familiarity to this magic, something that reminded him of his foster mother, Taltu. He looked to the brothers, knowing that their fate was indeed in his hands now. A voice came from the blood, like a phantasm. I was Kian Makkante, slain by the three sons of Turian. The gathered crowd gasped, speaking to themselves. Some seemed genuinely shocked, others expectant of the result. Some even cheered it. Lou bit his tongue and said spying something dark moving towards Bridget. The shadow there moved like a raven, a storm of crows, and in that moment Lou knew that she was here. The Phantom Queen, not simply just the wife of Nemed. This was fated. This was commanded by the master of fate herself, the Morrigan. This had been her plan all along. Lou stilled himself as Bridget's eyes returned to normal the heat from her magic fading. Sweat rode the forehead of her son, excited at the thought of seeing revenge acted out before him. Handing the spear to a guard, her son practically dancing in his seat beside her, as she pointed the blade to Brian, Ikar, and Ikarba. This is your spear, Brian Mecturian? Brian bit his lip, resisting, but this proved impossible. He shook as he answered, It is. Bridget's stern gaze burned. Did you kill Kian? He failed again to resist. I did. 
We all three of us did, your grace. The crowd did not hold back, many crying out for justice and a few cheering on the sons of Turin. Danand, filled with rage, stepped forward and slapped each of her brothers, one by one, leaving without so much as a word. Turin chased her for a moment, stopping after three steps. Brigitte began to float again, and she spoke with authority, shaking the room. Silence! Her demands were obeyed. Lou, son of Kian, is owed the rights to an Adik, one from Brian, Ikar, and Ikarba each, as witnessed by all gathered here. Lou, what do you command of the sons of Turian? He stepped forward, looking at the crowd, swallowing. He had never spoken before such a large crowd, even at Tirnanog. At least there he knew his many mentors, knew the servants of Anan Maglir. These were instead his relatives, his own family, to whom he was a stranger. Lou swallowed and began. I am an outsider to many of you, most in fact. I am Lou, son of Kian, the one he kept hidden for so long. Many believed I was the son of Nuada, lost at the battle with the Fearbulk, a fiction King Nuada was complicit in, but a necessary one. I was fostered away for protection, and never once did I meet my father. Though I am Tuathididanan, I was raised among the Fearbulk and the Ashi of Tirnanog. I am at once of many people and of none. Yet one thing has been deprived of me, a relationship with my father. I never met Kian. He belongs only to the stories now, and I have heard many, both good and bad. To my uncles, Kian was a well-meaning trickster, and their blood kin. To Turian and his kin, he was an unbridled fool and a troublemaker who has meddled greatly in their affairs. But perhaps the daughter of Turian had a different opinion of him. Now, because of the sons of Turian, I shall never meet my father. What could I ask of them to give me what I have lost? Shall I ask for the blood of Turian, well respected among our people? Would that equal justice? I think not. For those boys grew up in the shadow of their father, learning his thundering lessons. I cannot take their past from them. Nor would taking three lives be equivalent to the loss I experienced of one life. So, those aside, what could I possibly ask for? Yet justice must be done. He paused, letting that ring out. He found silence awaiting him, the pale faces of the remaining clan of Turian upon him. On the faces of his own clan was a stoic nervousness, save from his grandfather. He offered Lou a quizzical but amused look. Brigid was diplomatic, her jaw clenched with expectation. I, by right, must ask another to name an appropriate price. And only one... One who is three can give that answer. I call upon the Morrigan to name the price owed to me. Turian grimaced, then growled. Again you invoke her name before me. Who are you to command the Phantom Queen, boy? She is not yours to command, nor is she an arbiter of justice. She is not here to name that price. I am here, and I am the arbiter of fate greater than justice. The entirety of the palace shook and all shook with it, save the stern figure of the queen, who merely glared between Turian and Lou. It was as if the darkness itself stepped forward, not the hybrid figure of three women as before, but instead merely the wife of Nemed, the mother figure, seeming to ooze with an endless abyss, her eyes empty pits of sunken black, and every step from the shadow seemed to leave a footprint of blood behind her. Lou swallowed, beginning to wonder if this had been the right choice after all. 
Lou is right to call me Trurian, for I alone can give a fair answer, for that fairness is a fated one. Lou has acted thus far on my command, for I have placed on him a gish, and he followed it to the letter until now. Lou, son of Kian, is owed three prices for three slew one. Brian, Ikar, and Ikarba slew Kian in equal measure, and thus three must fulfill this Erik command. From our shore, the three must travel and find seven items. Ikar must find three, and Ikarba must find three. Brian, as eldest, must find one item above all others. Fearful though they all were, there was a sudden vexing interest that even Turian, white as a sheet, could not deny. One alone in the room did not give genuine interest to this, Lou noted. The boy child Ruidan, son of Bridget and Brez. The seven treasures are thus. Steal first the apples of immortality from the isle furthest east, from the orchard of Hesperides. Second, you must take from Tuis, king of Greece, his blessed pigskin, which can bring a man at the edge of death back from the brink, regardless of ailment or injury. Third, you must travel to Persia, where the king of kings has a spear of poison. Fourth, you must travel to Sicily, acting as mercenaries, where you will gain the king of Sicily's trust, then steal his horse and chariot, which can ride over the waves as the land and cannot be slain by normal means. Fifth, you must travel to the land of the Golden Pillars, and from there steal the magic pigs, which can be slain and eaten every day, only to be reborn again in the morn. Sixth, you must steal the dog-taming whip of the fairy woman of Iroway, which can tame any beast. Your final task? You must travel to Lachlan, near the city of Gorius, one of the four cities from whence we hail. You must go to the hill of Mokin, a master of that city, and give a mighty yell, then escape with your lies. The hall erupted all at once, all in frustration. Lou heard from many voices calling out at the injustice, for the task was impossible, he said. It could not be done. If they had such items, he realized, they could win the war. But it was beyond a fool's errand. The sons of Turian were among the finest warriors of the Tawatha de Danan. Why sacrifice them on such an impossible task? Did the queens, Bridget or the Morrigan, have no mercy in their hearts? This is what Lou heard. The Morrigan turned her head, looking at the crowd, silencing them once and all without a word. My business is concluded, yet a warning I give. Lou, there is a price to pay for invoking me. Each time I come forth, the one who called me must pay a price. You calling upon me to resolve the terms of your adik was not a requirement of your gish, and for that I place another gish upon you, which you must do lest you meet your fate. Any second request made of you, you must fulfill. The court of Tara has witnessed this. So it is known, noble son of Kian. The road to Asal is coming to a close. You know what to do next. Our people must be united. Heal the wounds. The woman who was three screamed, her head upturned as if writhing. She vomited a blackness from her body, manifesting as a host of ravens that flew from the woman's body and out the door. Free of the influence of her sisters, the woman fell directly into the arms of Nemed, strong despite his frail appearance, coming out of nowhere. 
He gave Lou a grim glare and moved his wife to a nearby table, where water and bread were brought. Lou breathed for the first time since she appeared. He thought he had done the right thing by summoning her. Lou felt no different, but knew that if he was asked something, he must fulfill it. A dreadful curse had been placed upon him. Yet what did it mean, the second request? Tyrion seemed also to release his breath, glaring at Lou as thunder rolled elsewhere. A storm had come, and rain was threatening to fall. Queen Bridget spoke through the uneasy murmurings. Lou, son of Kian, has named his price, the seven treasures of the world, which the sons of Tyrians must retrieve and bring to Lou. That will be the price, and then there will shall be peace among the two clans. Is this understood? Lou nodded, grinning weakly. Tyrion nodded grimly. I need to consult a druid regarding this, but I think... Brian roared, Father, is this not madness? Why should we acquiesce to the demands of an outsider who is not of our people? He is some fairy child, a whelp born of Kian, but not of us, who threatens our plans, our people. Lou stepped forward, growling. Are you so without honor as to turn your back on the laws of your own people? Are you not bound to this oath to fulfill the law of the king? The Arik is the way of our people. Our people, Brian, son of Turian. To turn your back on that, you are no better than a Fomorian dog. Another murmur in the crowd, this time in his favor. He would invoke the oath of their people to his benefit. Brian growled again, but his brothers pulled on both of his arms. We are agreed, Lou, said Ikar. Our word is our oath, and we give our word that we shall do this task for you or die trying, said Ikarba. Lou smiled, looking expectantly at Brian. Turian did the same, hitting his son in the stomach. Answer him, boy! Will you follow the laws of our people? He thundered, and his eyes seemed to flash like lightning. Brian recovered from the blow, and taller than his brothers or father, spit. I shall fulfill this Eric, Lou. You will have your trinkets. Queen Bridget then clapped her hands twice. A storm is coming, children of Danu. Disperse and return to your homes before we fall under its sway. Turian, the inset. When the storm has passed, I ask you to convene at the coast where King Brez will mediate the terms of this Eric, and the sons of Turian will away to retrieve those treasures. Secrecy is of the highest order. Speak not of these treasures to anyone. Thunder rolled, and she quickly took her son by the arm, pulling him away with the royal escort. Before they passed, Bridget gave Lou a glance that he could not place, somewhere between disapproval and respect. A guard brought back Fragrak to him, and Lou took the sword, sheathing it. Before he could turn away, Turian approached, grabbing him by his arm. There was a heat to that grip, a sizzling like a storm. Well played, you pit-born son of a dog. Your dead father would be proud if he weren't rotting. You'll have your items, and you'll see the oaths met and mended, but I will be dead before I see you take any seat of significance in this court. You were better off an ally of mine, and now you have earned a lifetime of enmity from me and my kin. He spat and left, his sons in tow. His daughter, Danand, was nowhere to be seen. Lou felt a presence behind him, and then a firm hand upon his shoulder. I do not ask for a troublesome grandson, but I certainly have one, don't I? Well played indeed, Lou. I admit I am impressed, for that braggart Turian has no place in my heart. But you walk a fine line. You have asked them to throw away their lives, and now we all have to maintain a massive secret. 
If the Fomorians know of your coming, or what you have the sons of Tyrion seeking, you will face wrath like you are not prepared to face. More importantly, you have caused mischief I do not think you are aware of. Our people are in danger. Lou turned, looking at Dean's set, his eyes cold, distant, like ice in a black river. What do you mean? You have taken Fomorian lives, grandson. Though they know not your name, you are a wanted man. Keeping a low profile would be to your benefit. Now come, rest in my house until this storm passes. Bring your horse and dog, too. I hear good things about fairy animals and would like to study them. The inset walked on and Lou followed behind. Realizing too late, he may have overplayed his hand beyond his comprehension. Goddessy is written, researched, and produced by Greg Wright. Additional writing and editing by Sydney Eger, a fiery sovereign in her own right. Music by Aislinn and Scott Buckley. Want to support the show? Check us out on Patreon. Every little bit helps. Want to yell at me from a hill? Find us on social media at The Goddessy Podcast. All those links are in the show notes below. When you do, invoke the Morrigan and see what gifts you get. It's like a lottery. Goddessy updates weekly. See you next week.